The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to True Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell. I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, which was founded in 1956 by the legendary Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman. The Senior Minister is the Reverend Derek B. Wells. Check us out when you're in Chicago or online at www.cutemple.com. Dot org. We live stream all of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon Central Standard Time. Check us out when you're in the area. We would love for you to worship with us or check us out online. Today, I'm continuing the series on Keys to the Kingdom. Keys to the Kingdom is a series that is based on the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus, which is found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7. I'm doing the Sermon on the Mount line by line, so I'm taking my time. I'll take as long as it takes to finish it properly. I want to make sure that we have the opportunity to really drill down into the teachings of Jesus to make sure that we have a clear understanding of what he was teaching so we can then demonstrate this truth in our own lives. Because as we say in the Universal Foundation for Better Living, that we believe that it is God's will that every individual on the face of this earth should live a healthy, happy, and prosperous life. How do we do that? By applying these spiritual principles, by applying what Jesus taught, by following his example. So we're going to jump right in where we left off last week, and we're going to start at in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. And it states, For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you excuse me, but if you do not forgive others, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Now, we have to make sure that we when we read these stories that Jesus was using terminology to explain principle. There's not a God that's holding something against you. What Jesus was trying to teach us is how the universe is governed by divine law. Since this is a universe governed by cause and effect, divine law, our thoughts, feelings, and words about others have to play back into our own lives. So when we forgive others their trespasses, we're actually releasing ourselves. 
And when we don't release others, we're also holding ourselves in alignment to the things that we've messed up with. So when we want to be free, in other words, we have to free others. Your freedom can is directly related to how you free others. What does that mean? See, when you hold thoughts of error, judgment, and condemnation against another, those thoughts are working in your consciousness first. And we say around here, thoughts held in mind produce after their own kind. So if thoughts are mental vibration, impulse, or energy, that means that energy is working in you, drawing or attracting to you experiences that are consistent with it. So that literally the thoughts you hold about someone else actually affects you. So it's highly important to realize that if you want to be free, free other people. That's divine law. See, God doesn't withhold forgiveness because really when it's all said and done, God is just love. God is like the sun shining sunlight on us. We have the ability to go into a place and close the curtains or close the blinds and shut out the sunlight. But the sunlight is still there. What we call forgiveness is just opening up the shades. God doesn't withhold forgiveness. We withhold it from ourselves. In divine mind, there are no offenses. Now, that's one of the hard things to teach about metaphysics because we want the smackdown God that punishes people for doing what we call wrong. But in divine mind, there are no offenses. In God, things are always perfect. Things are always whole. But in human experience, we have universal law to make sure that we balance the scales of when we do something, we get the result. When there's a cause, there's an effect. So we have to be consistent in our thinking. God, as universal law, gives or withholds based upon what we give and withhold. Or as the Apostle Paul wrote, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. So I just want to make sure that we're clear on this on this particular point, because when we really get this point, it allows us to go forward. And really, really work from the understanding that it's always me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And as Reverend Ike would say, I meet no one but me. Tom Johnson said it really well. I am always my own experience. We work with these principles to and realize that the energy that I hold against another person is only blocking my blessings. Reverend Coleman used to teach us when she was active in the ministry. No one is worth you being sick, broke and unhappy. I don't forgive you for you. I forgive you for me. All right. Moving on. The next point is uh, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter six, verses 16 through 18. And it states, and whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that you your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Now, this is another example of how Jesus is teaching the intentions behind people's actions. If we sow to the human ego, if we sow to personality, we will reap from the human ego. 
If we sow to the spirit, we reap from the spirit. Let the spirit within you determine your outer actions. Nothing done physically will grow you spiritually. It is always the intent. You have to remember Jesus's culture. Fasting was something that was done and taken for granted. So when he was speaking to these people, he was talking about something that was a part of his culture. Now, when we start taking fasting from the standpoint of metaphysics, fasting is releasing and letting go or starving out old era thoughts. You have to fast, release, let go of thoughts, beliefs, concepts in your consciousness that are interfering with your blessing. So we say around here at Christ Universal Temple during the Lenten season when people fast and they give up, you know, certain types of food, we call it, um, we have an acronym for Lent. We call it Let's Eliminate Negative Thinking because we're fasting from error, thoughts, and consciousness. Let's eliminate negative thinking. Let's eliminate negative feeling. Let's eliminate negative words. Let's eliminate negative actions. Let's eliminate negative reactions. Because it's the intent. See, two people can have the exact same outer action and have two totally different intents. A person can be helping you because they love you, and another person can be helping you because they want to manipulate you. So the intent behind the action is what activates divine law in your experience or their experience. So they're not going to get the same effect from their cause because they're coming from two different intentions. So it's really important to realize that your intention matters. Why you do a thing matters. Why you do a thing matters. Never forget that. Moving on. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. Do not store for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust consume it and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust consume and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What is this saying? Yet again, some people use scriptures like this to try to de-emphasize the accumulation of wealth. But I don't think that's necessarily what Jesus was saying as much as you have to have the consciousness for what you desire. Because the one thing that people can't take away from you is your consciousness. Develop the consciousness for a thing. See, what keeps your attention keeps the power of your thinking. Where your treasure is, your heart is. So if your mind, your attention is always on things of the outer and you trust only in those things, then you're not actually believing that God is the source of your supply. See, we have to get to the point where we don't trust in outer resources as the source of our supply. All outer resources are channels and are, and not the source of our good. Only God is the source of our supply. Only God is the source of our supply. We can have many channels, work, business, investments, you know, you know, buildings, real estate, etc., but when it's all said and done, God is the source and God can have as many channels as needed to make sure that you prosper. But we have to make sure that we build the consciousness. That's the treasures in heaven. All right. Not 
okay, I'm just going to do good here so when I get to heaven, I'll have a mansion. That type of stuff is fanciful human thinking. You know, it's it's saying I'm going to suffer now so I can be rewarded later in the afterlife. That wasn't Jesus's intention. He was trying to teach people practical ways of how they can express the kingdom of God on earth into in their own lives, not when they die by and by milk and honey. What it's actually talking about is make sure that you don't trust in things in the outer because outer things change. As we learned in 2008, when the economy in the United States crashed, banks crashed, investments crashed, portfolios crashed, retirement funds crashed because of deceit and many other things that were going on and and lack of regulation. That if you trust only in man whose breath is in his nostrils, you can get in trouble. And we have to know that without a shadow of a doubt that God is the source because anything that man makes can be unmade. All right, moving along. The next scripture is in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. And it states, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light, excuse me, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And what is this saying? The eye represents your perception, your attention. See, when the how you see and view life is how you respond to it. And when our perception of life is healthy, our body and our body is not just our physical structure, our physiology. The body is anything that has to do with your manifestation in the three dimensional world. What am I saying? Your physical body is your body. Your job, your relationships, your family, your friends, your your car, your home, all of that is body. Because it has to do with your physicality. So when your consciousness is healthy, your manifestations are full of light. But if your consciousness is unhealthy, in other words, unenlightened, your whole body will be full of darkness. In other words, you'll have errors showing up in your manifestations. And it says, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? So if that level of low level of consciousness is the is the is the peak of your awareness, how great will be that darkness? In other words, you can be in a situation and circumstance that depending on the level of consciousness you're in, if if it's not very high, you know it, Things can just continually show up, show up, show up. And it seems like every time you one shoe drops, you pick that shoe up, another one is dropping because the consciousness is not in alignment with truth in the way that it needs to be. So just know that. Work on your consciousness, work on your perception. Jesus uh, stated in the, the same Sermon on the Mount, which I covered weeks ago, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. It's really talking about the same thing. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, God is not a person. So how do you see God? You see God by 
beholding life and love and peace and joy. You know, you see God in the laughter of a baby. You see God when someone is satisfied and fulfilled because they accomplish something that helps people, that's given their souls a sense of peace and, and alignment with the spirit within them. You see God when you help another person realize the truth about who they are. You see God by beholding God's perfect life in your body. You see God. When you acknowledge the prosperity of God, even though the world is trying to tell you that what you have is not enough, seeing that the five loaves and the two fishes are enough to feed the multitude in your life. That's how you see God. And you always got to be in that space. I say you always don't have to do anything, but it's good to be in that space to where you see God consistently, because when you see God, <clears throat> you then what transform your life your world, and your affairs. Now, let me remind you that you can call into the show at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489, excuse me, and ask questions. If you have questions about the show, anything that I've covered so far, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to ask. Also, please remember that this show and all the shows on Unity Online Radio are supported by your donations. And as you have freely received, please freely give. We want to continue spreading this truth around the world. A lot of places don't have the opportunity to receive new thought in their area, in their community, even sometimes in their country. And the only way they can have access to it is through shows like this. So we want to make sure that we support the ministry, that we support this online ministry that is bringing these truth principles to everyone around the world, archiving them. So if a person wants to learn almost about anything, they can click on the show here, listen to it, and listen to them as many shows as they would like so they can learn the truth about themselves, and then go out and live that space. It's highly important that you remember that. Also, I do want to let those who are in Chicago know that I will be doing the Bible 365 lesson today at Christ Universal Temple. I'll be teaching the book of Revelation, part one. So if you want to know about the book of Revelation, if you've ever had questions about it and what it represents metaphysically, this is the time to come hear it. So we're going to take a quick, quick break And we'll be right back with Truth Transforms. You are listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. To support this ministry, go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Your contribution helps us broadcast messages of love and inspiration throughout the world. Are you feeling trapped by a situation you can't control? Don't know where to find help? Do you wonder if help even exists? It does, and it's always been there for you, hidden inside the ancient New Testament story of Lazarus. 
Unity Books invites you to unlock the secrets to peace and healing in The Lazarus Blueprint. New from best-selling authors Mary Alice and Richard Jafola. Marvel as they unveil six steps for overcoming seemingly impossible situations. Read about people like you who've used the steps to triumph over personal illness, financial hardship, and even the loss of a loved one. The Lazarus Blueprint offers a fresh new approach for fixing anything in your life. With steps so universal, timeless, and powerful, they can work for everyone. Make it your turning point. Get The Lazarus Blueprint today, online at unitybooks.org. Does music open your heart and bring you peace and joy? Experience the sacredness of sound with Ramdesh Kaur as we travel the world of mantra, kundalini yoga, and devotional music. Join us for a journey into spirit, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Eastern, on Spirit Voyage Radio with Ramdesh. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. We are covering the series, The Keys to the Kingdom, which is based on the Sermon on the Mount by Jesus found in the Gospel of Matthew. If you have questions so far, I want to make sure again that you have the opportunity to ask them. You can call into the show at 888-558-6489. Now, we're going to pick up where we left off before the break with the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 24, just verse 24, excuse me. And it states, no one can serve two masters, for a slave will hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in wealth. What is he stating? Be careful not to pledge your allegiance to the accumulation of outer success at the cost of inner growth. You don't have to sacrifice your integrity, morals, and ethics to succeed. Put God first. Put God first. Wealth, like all outer things, should be seen within the context of love, peace, and following God's rule really important that we realize that because people will take this and say okay well this means that jesus was against wealth well no what it means is god has to be first all the time there's no middle ground you know you have to be able to put everything behind god oh it looks like i have a call on the line reverend bobby all right, good reverend. morning how are you how about yourself i'm doing fine good to hear from you it was it was it was it was interesting how a little bit earlier you were talking about how we see God and, uh, you know, like in the clouds and in our day-to-day stuff, you know, that it appears before us and that we have to keep God first in all things like, like you just said because in the Bible it does say in the beginning God. 
Um, in your opinion, what is it that, that gets us off track that keeps us from seeing and acknowledging God in all things? Well, I think the main thing, and thanks for the question, the main thing is we think that we're distinct, separate beings that are disconnected from the wholeness of life. Uh-huh. You know, you know if, if I don't really know that I am uh, an expression, of God, that I am one with God, if I believe that I'm separate from God, that I'm down here and God's up there, you know, I had a conversation with someone recently and they were like, the man upstairs or someone up there likes me. We think that we're separated from God. Because we think we're separated from God, we're not used to seeing wholeness in ourselves first, which means Mm -hmm. how can we see wholeness in other people and other things? Because we don't believe we're whole. We believe everything else is broken. What Jesus is trying to do is get us to realize, first of all, that because God is, as you stated in the beginning, God, and it says that God created all and called it good, we, through our distorted thinking, create what we call the problems in the world, the issues in the world, because we just don't see life right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How to perceive truth different level of consciousness we see the wholeness as, as the example would be jesus and the man with the withered hand stretch forth your hand jesus said you know jesus didn't see us a, a withered hand he saw right. the whole god what we have to start seeing is the wholeness in experiences even when the effects or the facts are telling us that there is no wholeness there mm-hmm. does that frank mm-hmm. yes but the thing yeah. is is rather simple it's not necessarily always easy but it's simple Not easy at all, Reverend Galen. Thanks so very much. You be blessed. All right. Thanks. So Uh bye-bye. Take care. So just to to cap what Reverend Bobby was talking about, we just have to make sure that we realize that we give naming, we name everything. I talked, when I talked the series on Genesis, I talked about Adam naming everything. And we name things good and bad and happy and sad and left and right and all this other stuff. When And when we do that, it then takes on a meaning for us. And we relate to it like that. So we have to be careful how we relate to life. Because how we relate, how we see life matters. We have to behold ourselves as a part, as an integral part of this universe, as an expression of it. When we see ourselves from the wholeness, I behold the Christ in myself, then it's easier for me to see the Christ in other experiences. All right. So back to what I was stating before about the um, no one can serve two masters. God has to always be first. That's really the bottom line. Nothing can come before that. You know, when we violate the primary, that's the first of the Ten Commandments. You know, you know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. And people say, well, of course I don't have any other gods before God. You know, I don't, you know, I don't believe in multiple gods and all of that. But we can make a God out of people. We can make a God out of careers and jobs. We can make a God out of our religion, our political uh, ideology. We can make a God out of family members. Why? Because their actions or their thoughts or their beliefs rule us. We have to be very careful that we don't make gods 
out of things. And many times people make gods out of money. Now, we're supposed to master money. Money's never supposed to master us. That's the key. Because people make decisions that violate their ethics many times around money. And this is, and Jesus knew this. So we have to be in the space consistently to know that we have to be the master of money. God is always in charge. We can't allow what what we have or don't have to dictate our character and our integrity. All right. Moving on. I'm now reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 25 through 32. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your span of life? Why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow, was thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For it is the Gentiles who strive for all these things. And indeed, your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. Now, this is a long, long discourse. What is it saying? He's saying, stop worrying because it doesn't accomplish anything. Worry is, as someone once stated, is negative meditation or contemplation. Because people say, well, I can't meditate. Well, if you can worry, you can meditate. Because all you're doing is keeping your thought on one thing over and over again, over and over again, over and over again, over and over again. People worry because of a lack of understanding. People don't understand because they don't know who they are and how they're connected to the creator and sustainer of the universe. When Jesus uses the example of the birds of the air and the grass and etc., he's trying to get people connected to the understanding that God is. Now, that doesn't mean that you just sit in your chair and do nothing and, uh, and you know, and, and God drops a Cadillac through the roof. No, the bird still has to go get the worm. All right. So it's important that we take the action, but action that is guided by spirit to do the things that we need. So because he says for the Gentiles strive for all these things, the Gentiles metaphysically just talks about those those Gentiles were considered those who did not know about the God of Israel, did not follow the, the laws of Moses and the prophets. But metaphysically, you're talking about more of the human human thoughts the human consciousness thoughts as opposed to the spiritual thoughts. <clears throat> so when you're in human consciousness, you strive for these things. But when you are in spiritual consciousness, you know that the father knows that you need all these things. Now, how does the father know? Now, this doesn't mean that, you know, it's God saying, okay, give her this over that. No, what it means is the father, which is creative intelligence, being omniscience, all wisdom, 
has provided for every need through the ability to mold and shape universal substance with our thinking. See, I want to make sure that's clear. The Father knows that you need all these things by providing the means for which you will be provided. How, how is it stated in the Old Testament? It's stated in the sense of when the Moses and the children of Israel were in the wilderness and they needed food, God had quail falling out of the sky, according to the story. And they had some mysterious substance that they didn't know what it was, so they called it mont manna. Manna in Hebrew means, what is it? Literally, it means, what is it? They didn't know what it was, but they knew one thing. That when they ate it, it was good for them. And they also knew that it would it would come daily. Now, the manna is symbolic of universal substance. The universal substance of God that we shape and mold with our thinking. And it is everywhere present because it is, because it is omnipresent. Therefore, God's manna, God's daily bread as we prayed for in the Lord's Prayer last week, is always available to us. But we have to be in alignment with it. And that's key, that's key, that's key, that's key. The manna from heaven. God knows these things before you ask. What does that mean? That means that the supply is already here. But because we all have different needs, we have to have one universal substance that is no thing that through thinking can be shaped and formed into anything. The no thing has to be able to be anything to take care of all of our needs at different levels of consciousness. Warren Buffett and Bill Gates have different needs than we do. The president of the United States or the prime minister of Great Britain have different needs. Uh, a, a priest might have a different need than a monk in China. So how do you provide for everybody's needs? By having one universal substance that is shaped and formed based upon the needs of the person utilizing it. In other words, as the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman used to say when she was active in ministry, I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. I am the thinker that thinks the thought that makes the thing. All right. So it goes on to say in verse 33, chapter 6, verse 33, but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Most people know this as seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. From the King James Version. We must always seek the kingdom of God consciousness within ourselves first. Knowing that as we touch the higher powers within us. And what do I mean by that? Our own inner spiritual faculties. They will manifest in our lives as all that we need in our relative experience. But seek first the kingdom. Strive first for the kingdom. Now what does it mean? I often tell my students in class, Jesus didn't say, find the kingdom of God and all these things will be added. 
or it'll be given to you. He said, seek it. Why? Go in the general direction of it. You don't have to have the totality of the consciousness to benefit from it, but be seeking it. Seek it. And how do you strive for or seek God, the kingdom of God and God's righteousness? Righteousness is the right use of spiritual principles through thinking, feeling, and the spoken word. So when somebody says right, when you start talking about from the standpoint of new thought, we're not talking about human relativity. We're talking about is this true in spirit? Only, let me make this plain, is it true about God? Because if it's true about God, it's true about me. If it's not true about God, it's not true about me. It might be factual, but facts change. Truth is eternal. If it's true about God, it's true about me. That's an awesome statement to say. If it's true about God, it's true about me. And if it's not true about God, it's not true about me. That's how many of the early New Thought people healed their bodies because they realized that sickness had nothing to do with God. That's how they healed their pocketbooks because they realized that lack had nothing to do with God. And they worked the principle. Seek first the kingdom of God. Let me turn within to myself. So let me stop looking at all this other stuff, seeking to be p- pleasing to other people's personalities, et cetera, et cetera. Let me seek the kingdom of God within my own soul. Let me seek that higher level of Christ's awareness within my own soul and the right use of its principles. And then when I do that, that which I need in my experience will be provided. But it has to be God first. So Jesus goes on to say, so do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring worries of its own. Today's trouble is enough for today. I think this pretty much states it. Don't project pain and problems into your future. The best option for a better tomorrow is right thinking, right feeling, right words, right actions, and right reactions. Today, the law of mind goes before you to create the experience of yourself. So stop worrying. He didn't say don't think about tomorrow. He said, don't worry about it. He didn't say, don't plan. He said, don't worry about it. Two totally different things. You need to have goals. You need to have plans. You got to have structure. You got to know what you're doing. But don't worry about it. Because worry, again, is negative contemplation or meditation. And and that mental energy is radiating out and attracting back to you experiences that are consistent with it. Hopefully, that makes sense. Hopefully, that makes sense. Again, if you have questions, I want to make sure you have the opportunity to ask me a question. Um, you can call 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. Also, would also like to let you know that I'll be teaching a Sunday lesson at Christ Universal Temple, 1030 a.m. to 12 noon. So if you're in Chicago, please come out. Central Standard Time, obviously. If you're online, please uh, log on to www.cutemple.org to check me out this Sunday. Also, you can check us out every Sunday and make sure you check out our pastor, the senior minister, the Reverend Derek B. Wells, because he's teaching powerful lessons to help transform your consciousness. We're going to take a quick, quick break again, and we'll be right back with Truth Transforms.
Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about the soul of money and how to handle this in a way that brings out the deep spirituality that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Join author Lynn Twist for the blessing of the financial crisis. You'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section. Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They are Unity Classics. Join Reverend Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic books. Each month, you'll be able to follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine a different classic Unity book. From Charles and Myrtle Fillmore to Eric Butterworth, Emily Cady, and beyond, experience the foundational teachings of Unity. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic books. Thursdays on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. Hello, how you doing? Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm teaching Keys to the Kingdom, a series based upon the teachings of Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5 through 7. And today we're starting with chapter 7. We finally made it there. So we're going to be discussing a really, really powerful saying of Jesus. And I think it's so powerful. I want to make sure that I give it all the time that it needs. It states in chapter 7, verse 1 and 2. Do not judge so that you may not be judged. For with the judgment you make, you will be judged. And the measure you give will be the measure you get. That's very powerful. I want to read something from Emmett Fox, which is found in the Sermon on the Mount on page 10. Excuse me, 110. The plain fact is that the law of life that as we think Excuse me. The plain fact is the law of life that as we think and speak and act towards others, so will others think and speak and act towards us. Whatever sort of conduct we give out, that we are inevitably bound to get back. Anything and everything that we do to others will sooner or later be done to us by someone somewhere. 
The good that we do to others, we shall receive back in like measure. And the evil that we do to others in like manner, we shall receive back to. This does not mean in the least. This does not mean in the least. Excuse me. This does not in the least mean that the same people who treat you, whom we treat well or ill will be the actual ones to return the action. That almost never happens. But what it but what does happen is that at some other time or place, often far away and long afterwards, someone else who knows nothing whatever of the previous action will nevertheless repay it grain for grain to us. For every kind word, excuse me, for every unkind word that you speak to or about another person, an unkind word will be spoken to or about you. For every time that you cheat, you will be cheated. For every time that you deceive, you will be deceived. For every lie that you utter, you will be lied to. Every time that you neglect a duty or evade a responsibility or misuse authority over other people, you are doing something for which you will inevitably have to pay by suffering a like injury yourself. With what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. That is very powerful. And Emmett Fox really doesn't give any wiggle room. He really explains this very well. Basically letting people know that this is a universe that's governed by divine law. What you put out, you get back. What you radiate, you attract. So we are judgmental and condemning of other people. We have to realize that that comes back to us. That doesn't mean that you don't have responsibility. That means if you have to evaluate people, doesn't mean that you don't have expectations and commitments that you have a right to expect. But what it does says that the energy that we put out, we get back. That's why Jesus taught love and forgiveness so much, because he understood this. We have to be in that space. Now, moving on. Verse Verses uh, three through six, excuse me, five. Why do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own eye? Or how can you say to your neighbor, let me take the speck out of your eye while the log is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First, take the log out of your own eye and then you will clearly you, you excuse me, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. Now, Jesus was a great teacher of hyperbole. He would exaggerate statements to make sure you saw the hypocrisy in the statement. In other words, we're telling a neighbor, get that speck out of your eye. And I have a log in mind. I'm judging that person. When I'm not dealing with my own inner stuff, I'm not dealing with my own life. My own stuff is messy, and I'm trying to tell somebody else to clean up their mess. Jesus is saying, handle you first, and then you're better able to help your brother or your sister. He says, take the log, and he says, you hypocrite. Now, hypocrite means pretending to be something that you're not, because it comes from the root word in Greek, which means People who wore the mask in plays, they would wear masks to, to be the different characters. They would have different express, facial expressions on the mask. We wear masks like that too. Hypocrites and you hypocrites, stop 
pretending to be something that you're not, address your issues so you can really be of help to your brother. It doesn't make sense to tell somebody to move a, remove a speck out of their eye when you have a log sticking out of yours. To address someone about their issues when you're still working on yours. In other words, as Jesus said, it's best when the woman in adultery was brought to him. He who was without sin cast the first stone. He who was without sin cast the first stone. Can you clearly see that that's needed for us to grow and to evolve? Because we'll get caught up in judging other people for the very thing we do. Sometimes we don't want people to lie to us and we lie to people. It's ridiculous. So let me put it this way. Often we are critical of other people, but blind to our own mistaken perspectives and actions. We need to address our own consciousness and behavior before we attempt to address other people. Moving on. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. Do not give what is holy to dogs. And do not throw your pearls before swine. Or they will trample them under their feet. Or the, uh, excuse me, trample them underfoot and turn and maul you. What does this mean? Everybody isn't spiritually evolved enough to appreciate you as an as an expression of God and the ignorance of who they are and who you are can show up or express as different forms of abuse and disrespect. What do I mean? Don't give your sacredness to those who can't appreciate it. Point blank. That doesn't mean that they aren't the image and likeness of God because they are. But you have to know that if they can't appreciate who you are, you got to keep it moving. Some people won't hear the truth you want to share. If people aren't receptive to your principle centered words, bless them in silence and be the example of your message. You don't have to prove anything. See, now let's take this internally. This is not just about people. This is about our own consciousness. There are aspects within your consciousness that will reject truth. Error thoughts and beliefs of the human personality push back against spiritual ideas you're entertaining in mind. Keep impressing your subconscious mind with truth. Keep impressing it. But you have to realize there are going to be thoughts that you have, feelings that you have. When you want to forgive, you're going to have some feeling that's going to come up. And it's going to be like that spiritual thought is going to be casting pearls before swine. That feeling will turn on you and say, how dare, how can you forgive that person? Don't you remember what they did to you? Don't you remember how you feel, how you, how you felt, how you feel right now? You have thoughts, feelings, beliefs, ideologies within you that literally will trample the newfound principle-centered thinking. This is the symbolic meaning of Joseph taking G, the baby Jesus down to Egypt because King Herod wanted to kill him. King Herod was the ego, the personality, the personal will that doesn't want to give up control of the mind to spirit. 
we have to realize that that's going on within us all the time. So we just have to continue with the work. Continue working with the soul. Continue working with the consciousness. Let truths work subversively in the mind. Take it down to Egypt. That represents the subconscious. Take that truth down there. Let it grow and let it work. Protect it from that ego. Because when it comes back strong enough, it won't matter. But please realize that this is just this isn't just talking about things in the outer. It's talking about many other things. Now, I'm going to stop here because the next part with the act, seek, and knock would take longer than a minute to teach. <clears throat> Excuse me, obviously. But I want to again reiterate: we're taking our time with this because I want to make sure that you have. A panoramic view of the teachings of Jesus as explained in the Sermon on the Mount. This gives us a marvelous opportunity to really evaluate where we're at. At the end of the year, people are always reevaluating their lives. We use this in the light of Jesus' teaching. Where am I missing the mark on this? Where do I need to be recommitted? How do I need to reconsecrate my life to spirit? To make sure that no matter what, I'm living in wholeness and in integrity with the spirit of God, my true nature. This is an inner work and it takes a lot to do it. It takes a lot to do it. But I'm here to tell you, you're spiritually equipped. God has created you in a way that allows you to be able to walk in both the human world and the spiritual. Actually, the, the, the physical, mental and spiritual because you're a threefold being, spirit, soul, body. So you're equipped to live life and express life in, in marvelous ways and experience life <clears throat> as whoever you choose to be, because with God, all things are possible. But let's remember to put God first and live from that space. Again, I want to remind you that I'll be on this Sunday. I'll be on tonight, this Wednesday. So make sure you check us out. Go to this, the website, CU Temple www.cutemple.org and you know if you want to get more information about our ministry like my Facebook page Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell to make sure that you know I know you know you know what's going on if you have questions or comments or whatever I can answer them so we're going to sign off now and know that I love you wherever you're at I'll be with you next week on Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple.
Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. If you are able to safely turn your attention away from the demands of your activities, quiet your mind and affirm. There is a divine plan at work in my life. I now relax, let go, and let it unfold. Listen attentively, inwardly, without projecting any thoughts about what you think should happen or be experienced. Become as a child, trusting and receptive to the guidance of spirit within. This meditative moment, adapted from Mary Cupferly's God Will See You Through, is brought to you by Unity. Do you feel undervalued, disconnected, or simply overwhelmed at work or in your business? Are you trying to attract what you need but are desperately worried about cash flow? What if the problems you're experiencing aren't problems at all, but warning signals, clues to redirect? What if those clues are being obscured by your blind spots, the things you can't see that are keeping you from accomplishing your goals? Find out how you can move step-by-step beyond your blind spots each week here with Karin Pettigrew, Wednesday mornings at 9 Central Time on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Did you know that most of us operate on autopilot and don't even realize it? In fact, psychologists suggest automatic behavior has become the rule of thumb these days. Jesse Harriet wants to talk with you about how to make the switch from barely thriving and functioning to living a fully functioning, conscious, and purposeful life. The all is mind, and so are you. Call in with your questions and comments for Jesse Live every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Central Time on Living on Purpose, where we blend psychology and ancient wisdom. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark. 
on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life.